Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Hughes 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Who likes free books? Um, everyone. That's right, Kate. Everyone likes free books. Guess what I'm giving away? Um, Pinochle. Yes. How do you give away Pinochle? That is a game that one plays with cards. You can't give it away. It's not a thing you eat, though it should be. I was gonna start with peanuts. I was gonna start with peanuts, and then it kind of you just morphed into into Pinochle. I kind of want a slice of Pinochle right now. I don't even know what it would be. I bet somebody had made some sort of food called Pinochle. With but regardless, we are getting off track. I am giving away seven copies of my upcoming middle grade novel, uh, Long Road to the Circus. And and if folks would like to enter to possibly win one, they should do so by following the link that will be in the show notes uh, for this week's episode. I am, however, dating this podcast um, because this is only a week, a week long thing. It'll, it, it ends so on when, Thursday. When are, the, when are the winners announced? Uh, well, they'll be really announced on Friday. And uh, now it's Monday, as this is playing. So not not much time left, folks. But you got, you got most of this week. So go on in and enter. And if you're listening to this in the future, uh, tough noogies. Exact- <laughs> oh, no. If you're listening to this in the future, it might actually be out and you could buy it. So, yes. Bye. What's it called? Long Road to the Circus, illustrated by David Small, uh, written by me. It's my my debut novel for kids. Kids as in like... Eight to 12-year-olds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Self-promotion. <laughs> Self-promotion's awesome. And speaking of self-promotion, who are you? I'm Kate. And I'm Betsy. And this is... Fuse 8 and Kate. So far, so good. <laughs> and what do we do here? Talk about Pinochle delicious <laughs> delicious peanut a little bit of chocolate drizzled on top you know i like to drink it with a glass of pickle juice that's how i like to do it that's the way my mother taught me that's right and uh besides uh, pickle juice what do we talk about uh talk about you and your children's books well yes but picture books in general and we look at them and we determine if these picture books are good and deserve to be called classics for whatever reason or are not good and have not, I don't know, aged well. Maybe they were never good to begin with. Maybe time has been unkind to them. Maybe okay. a little bit on the dated side. Okay. okay. I'm just, I, just, I don't even know where I'm coming up with these ideas. I'm just sort of throwing them out there. So uh, you had challenged me to do a celebrity picture book. Uh, and I will disappoint you by doing it next time. Um, and the reason for that is because I forgot to take it out of the library yesterday. <laughs> and then I was working from home today. So I'm just lazy. But I thankfully... Had already taken out a book that I had intended to do with you. Uh, a book that I've been intending to do for quite quite some time. But I just hadn't been mentally or physically or even, I'd say, emotionally ready. Spiritually. Spiritually, I was just way <laughs> off. Because um, this one takes a little bit of muscles, a little bit of lifting. And uh, are you ready for this one? Okay. All right. The Girl Who Loved Wild Horses by 
Paul Goebel. Any any memory of this one coming to mind? <laughs> no. No. No memory. No memory of this one. It did win itself uh, a Caldecott, I guess, in 1979, which means that it was published in the year of my birth. My birth year, 1978, this came out. And, uh, you know, I've aged beautifully over the years. Let's see if the book can say as much as I drop it on the floor. <laughs> Yay! Okay. Go read that on the floor book. Okay. Okay. While Kate does her read, let's learn a little bit about Paul Goebel. Uh, well, he was white and he was English. He, he was born in Surrey, England, in 1933. But he was super duper 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 fascinated with, quote, all things Indian, unquote. And this was true from the moment he was a boy. He would, uh, he would read Native American, well, his mother would read Native American tales to him and his brother, uh, he collected pictures from magazines about the Plains Indians of North America. He had a copy of the book Notes on the North American Indian, uh, which he got when he was a kid at Christmas. So that just sort of, that just sort of followed him for a long time and in his entire life. Now, the funny thing about Paul Goebel is that he did just did tons, tons and tons and tons of books about, uh, as he would say, Indians. Now, he was not himself uh, doing any research necessarily on these books. Uh, he doesn't credit anybody with the stories that he tells. Now, you will note that in his obituary, it said that he was, quote, an adopted member of Yakima and Sioux tribes and was given the name Wakanyan Chikala, which translated as Little Thunder. Now, there's a bit of debate as to whether or not uh, this was, in fact, the case. In his book, Adopted by the Eagles, he has a little dedication in there that says, I have made this book remembering Chief Edgar Red Cloud, 1896 to 1977. He gave me a Lakota name and called me Son. Now, as Debbie Reese, who is a scholar of Native American uh, literature in, in children's books, has pointed out, doesn't say he was adopted. Oh, but at the same time, you know, those are not the tribes that were mentioned before. So in the post that she put in about Paul Goebel, Beverly Slapin actually has a very fascinating and, and very well-researched comment where she goes into directly the translations of these words. Um, she says that, yes, it says that Paul Goebel was adopted into the Ekman Sioux tribes with the name Wakanyan Chikala, which is Little Thunder. But Wakanyan Chikala does not mean Little Thunder. <laughs> Um, and she has a real good point-by-point point sort of dissection on not just what is going on here, but whether or not we can trust a lot of these facts that are sort of coming out that nobody challenged to the point where it was in his obituary. Nobody was really challenging any of this information. So it's really interesting. I'm going to put it in the show notes. I'm going to let you take a look at it. And well, why don't you decide for yourself? And we're back. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it's a classic already. Doesn't it feel like it? Oh. Don't you feel the droplets of classicness just oozing off of it? That was I a mean, horribly disgusting metaphor. I don't even know where I got that. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Oh, just begin at the beginning, like Julie Andrews says. Okay, let's begin at the two title pages. The two title... Wait, there's more than one? <laughs> yeah, there's two. Wait, why are there two? I don't know. You because tell me. why settle for one when you can have two? 
And, and they don't really add anything. They're the same thing. They're just the title. It's just the title. The title. Oh, then we get an author. With the girl on a horse, the girl off a horse. Off a horse. There you that's, go. That's the difference. Sure. Because um, who wants to look at a girl on a horse all the time? Well. Boring. Give away the ending. Sorry, but I looked at, I'm 12, by the way. And I looked, <laughs> I looked at the picture and I'm like, really? Those are the spots. Those are the spots you're going to put on the horse. It's, oh. It's very, um, shall we say, feminine. Wow. You are, you're younger than, no, no, 12's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Now that I've seen it, I can't unsee it. Right? Oh, and you see it Oh my gosh. Now it's everywhere. I can't look at this horse anymore. Nope. This horse uh, doesn't offer much support. Nope. No. It's a, wow. Let's just, yeah, you know, folks, I know you can't see what we're seeing. We can put it on Instagram. Well, well most, I don't Unless think there's Instagram any doubt. Just take in the it down. <laughs> yeah, it looks, let, let me just explain it. It looks like a woman's breast. That's, that's that's all I can say is that that is what it looks like. And you can't unsee that thing. Yep. Yeah, it's going to look like that for the entire freaking book. Yep. Hooray! <laughs> so anyway, so there's this horse that looks crazy. And all the horses <laughs> look crazy. All the animals in this book look crazy. 100% legit crazy. Okay. They don't have eyelids, and oh. so they all look like fish, and they just... Well, that, you would look crazy. You'd be crazy, too, if you couldn't blink. Imagine <laughs> how much your eyes would hurt. That would hurt. Right, well... Poor, poor babies. They just remind... It reminds me of the... Wow, I cannot unsee this now. You're Thanks, welcome. Kate. You remember that video from 13 years ago of Charlie the Unicorn? Of course. Charlie! Yes, You're going to course. Candy Mountain, Charlie! That's right, my that's, Charlie. That's what the horse reminds me of. <laughs> like those unicorns, those depraved unicorns? Yeah. Charlie! Yeah, so if anyone... Uh, oh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes, too. I mean, too. it's Why not? 13 years old, but it's like, it was the height of YouTube at oh, the time. Oh, no, no, no. It was a classic. It's a it's a classic, a classic of a YouTube video. Yeah. Back from the <laughs> early days of it, yeah. That's what these, this, uh, this horse reminds me of. Anyway, moving on. Moving on! So we've got this uh, Native American tribe that... Uh, Which one? Um... That one. Yeah. Is it uh, a little strange? They don't seem to say at any point in the book what the tribe is. Well, maybe you can understand which one it is by the way they spell teepee. Because it's T-I-P-I. Yeah. It, it is indeed T-I-P-I. Yeah. Uh, so maybe no, that narrows I it mean, down? That is that, I think that a lot of them are spelling it that way. I think, you know, I think it's supposed to be a plains tribe, but there's like, 20 different plains tribes and they live in like yeah it's that 1500 miles and (coughs) they don't speak the same language so yeah it's the one it's the (coughs) tribe Mm -hmm. yep that one and so they they like to um hunt uh buffalo on their horses and then there's this girl with no name and she loves the horses and does she ride a horse with no name um, Did it feel good to get out of the rain? What? In the desert? You don't know that song? It's I've been through the desert on a horse with no name. You know oh. That? Yeah. I never really my knew the re- words. My reference I just knew the... That part, yeah. Yeah, excellent. So, right. So, she understands the horses better than anyone else because, oh, by the way, she can talk to them. Oh. Do they talk back? Not 
these horses. Well, anyone can talk to a horse. I can talk to a horse. It doesn't mean that, like, if they talk back, that's the interesting well, part. Well, wait, just wait. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Excellent. So, uh, right. So there's, uh, it's a nice hot day. She decides to take a nap out in the sun. And then all of a sudden it stops being sunny and it starts being rainy and windy. And there's mm-hmm. this thunderstorm coming and a flash of lightning and all the horses around her. Freaking are out, man. Freaking out. They're freaking out. And she wakes up. She jumps on top of one of the horses and they all start galloping away, away from the storm. Oh, shoot. Right. Well, and then um, she's trying to yell at them where to go and they can't hear her over the clap of thunder and the mm-hmm. lightning and all that. And uh, once the storm... Never said they listened to her, just said that they heard her. Right. (laughs) So they they get away from the storm, except now they're in the middle of nowhere, and they're lost. Good news. You can always eat horses. They're they're a little sweet. She doesn't have any weapons, though. Yeah. She just has the blanket and the clothes on her back. So she just has to outlive them, that's all. So she's uh, not sure what to do until she comes across uh, the main horse there's a spotted stallion does it have a name uh no but it can talk to her and she can understand it oh cool it can actually talk yeah what's it say he tells her that he's the leader of all the wild horses who's the leader of the horses okay he's the leader of all the horses that roam in the hills and he welcomes her to live with them and she's glad because she's always wanted to live with horses and oh okay well that works out well then yeah and uh, so, any, so any idea what she's going to eat <laughs> well yeah here's the thing um it says that uh a year later a year okay so she found something to eat so it, well okay number one if she can understand and talk to horses why didn't she tell the original horses to turn around and go back where they came from seriously right i mean you unless it was just impossible to find their way back but I don't know. And then two, how did she survive a year with no shelter, no food, and just the clothes on her back? And why doesn't she have a name? Yeah, that's super annoying. It's just that's just the girl, the girl. You know. So a year later, these two hunters uh, see her, and they see the stallion, and they try and get to her, but she's uh, driven away with all of the horses. And the stallion is, like, trying to protect her from the hunters, but the horse that she's on stumbles and falls, and so she falls, and she's reunited back with her family, um, but she gets really sick. And the doctors ask her, like, you know, well, what what can we do to make you feel better? And she says, I want to run with the horses, because she feels like she's missing that part of her family. She said, they're my relatives. Okay. If you let me go back to them, I'll be happy. And I'm looking at these teepees. Are these, like, authentically designed teepees? Oh, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say nope. Okay. They're very, very colorful. Yeah. With lots of designs and patterns and colors. Well, I'm sure if we flipped to the back of the book, it would show all the sources he used to make sure it was completely authentic. Oh, no, there's nothing there. Okay. Ah, I got you. Moving on. So, right. So she... They do look very cool. ...goes back to live with the horses, but every year she gives her family uh, one of the colts. Um, oh, that's a good deal, man. Apparently the colts are totally okay going away from the wild and being... Domesticated. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Have fun with that. <laughs> Meanwhile, she goes back to live with uh, the wild horses until uh, one day she doesn't give a colt to her family. Uh, presumably she dies and she is resurrected as a horse. And the last page is like, 
all these Whoa. um it's kind of psychedelic it's like paired up animals you have like two mm-hmm. i don't know groundhogs two mm-hmm. lizards two bunnies badgers? and then i don't know uh, it looks kind of like a badger but they don't have badgers in the plains anyway and then you have the main stallion and her presumably um so she became a horse and partnered with the stallion so that's not weird right yeah um and then there's some songs in the back oh where'd they come from Uh, one's a navajo song about his horse Mm. and one black elk and oglala sioux had a dream in which he heard a stallion sing a song. So they're like Native American songs about horses. If indeed they are. No. <laughs> we have no way of knowing because there's no source matter in the bag area. And no. and they don't have anything to do with the story other than they're just about horses. Yep. yep. The end. Boo doop boop beep beep boop. So this is a beloved book. Uh, and I can attest to that fact because I decided to look on Baker and Taylor today and see what's demand. Uh, are people still asking for this book? Oh, yes. Most certainly. The high demand for this book continues and continues. And in fact, there was somebody who suggested it for the show. I feel bad for them right now. But they said, oh, you should do that book. You should do something by Paul Goebel, they said. Mind you, they told me this in the midst of all the emails we were getting of people saying, oh, you want to do a book that wouldn't be a classic? And I was like, oh, Paul Goebel. We have not done a Paul Goebel yet. There was a Reading Rainbow Paul Goebel book. It was not this one. Um... Which is kind of silly because this is the one that won the big Caldecott Award. So a couple things we're going to point out. And I need to credit Debbie Reese for pointing these things out uh, before I did. So as we pointed out, we have no idea what tribe this is. Um, she put a post up about this book that was very interesting. And I liked a lot of what her, her commenters had to say. Uh, some One person said, I'm sure Goebbels' intent was honorable when he wrote and illustrated these. However, he has sent many mixed messages over the years. And then uh, someone said, you know, if, if Goebbels did intend this as a retelling of a story that already existed... I do think he should have made that more clear, either in his author's notes or in the story itself. And if he's simply telling a story that he himself invented, then that should have been made clear in the author's notes or the back matter. Uh, and yet, off it goes. It wins It wins itself a lovely little Caldecott medal for illustrations in 1979. Uh making him uh, win a Caldecott medal before any actual indigenous people won the proper Caldecott medal, which, of course, And he's happened. a white man? And, oh, he's a British white man. Okay. Oh, yeah, it gets even uh, even better than that. Because, of course, the English are freaking obsessed with, with Native Americans. Um, thanks, Peter Pan, and all that. So, yeah. So, ratings time. You go first. Okay, so those teepees are pretty cool looking. Pretty sure they didn't actually exist, so we have to dock points for that one. Also, the stories, uh, you know, you can see what he's going for, but it's really just a weird story. It it hasn't aged well. Um, the edition I gave you is clearly newish. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see that. It's, it's in rather pristine, shiny uh, condition, which means they still are selling it in hardback as well as paperback. But it's super problematic, man. You just can't do this. You can't just, like, take a random Native American tribe uh, that doesn't really exist and then basically be like, I'm just going to make 
so many books. He made so many books like this, just like 40 of them or something. And uh, it's just not cool, man. It's we, we no, no. It is. It has aged out of anything that it might have had any benefit for at any point. It is no good. It is. It is. I give it a two. Okay. A low two. Okay. Okay. My note started with. Uh, <laughs> that's e g g h h dot 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 dot. I'm glad there was a second answer. That's good. Uh. Girl gets lost, girl befriends horses, girl becomes horse. The end. Girl marries horse, apparently. Which I think doesn't that's marry. Kind of... She just hooks up with. Okay, hooks up with horse. Well, that's better. That's fine. Right. Um, so, yeah, I asked, is this an actual Native American story or did a white British man uh, make it up? And if he made it up, is he promoting making up Native American stories? So it's funny. On the Debbie Reese site, they quote him as saying... Or somebody in conjunction with this book saying, um, you shouldn't be making up stories uh, about Native Americans because um, you wouldn't do that to the Greeks with their myths. And first of all, let's just not even touch on the fact that he just called Native American stories myths, which is a whole thing in and of itself. But also he made up freaking stories all the time. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a definitely white girl, but... um... You know, I'm engaged to a Filipino, so I'm just gonna write, start writing Filipino stories. Yeah, and um, I think that's, that's cool, right? That's totally cool because you know why? Because you're white, and it's your right. Oh, it's your that's right. right. Yeah, to make up any story you want, <laughs> that's creative expression, Kate. Yeah, we're but, all. But allowed. I did like the crazy eyes. Sure, crazy eyes do get some points. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, you know, the colors the, are pretty, and the graphic spots. So sure. I, so I gave it a three. There you go. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's not a classic. It's less than a five, less not a classic. Five, yeah. Wah, wah, wah. yeah. Sorry, Paul Goebel and Paul Goebel fans. Uh, we are relegating him to the maybe not so much pile. Uh, definitely not pile. Uh, yeah, the definitely. <laughs> Actually, that is right. You're right. He's in the definitely not ever, ever, ever It's pile. not a toe over anything. It's oh, a, no. It's a no. heck no. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Letters time. Yay. All right. This comes from Liz. Liz had written us before, I believe, uh, about she and her kids kind of cherry pick amongst and then listen to our episodes and things like that. And she says, hi, Betsy and Kate. Hello. In listening to your 2017 Corduroy episode today, we heard you were wonderings about Corduroy Lost and Found. Coincidentally, before I became a children's librarian, I worked in children's book publicity for my first two years after college. Attached. And she sent this in the email. You will find a campaign for Corduroy Lost and Found written by yours truly when I was a weon 15 years ago. Hope it helps belatedly answer some of your questions about how this third Corduroy book came to be. I will see if I can uh, slot that into the show notes just for anyone who's curious about old Corduroy there. Cool. And then the next one comes from Heather. And she says, I can't believe it took me so long to find this podcast, especially because I got involved in a Tiki Tiki Tembo banned books debate at school. Hmm. Little backstory. I have a daughter, now 10, who went to an amazing preschool from 2013, 2016. As a nonprofit, they had creative ways to save funds like parent volunteers. My task was to be the school librarian. I got to manage the books on site as well as check out books from the library for class use. My sister, who is a children's librarian, would do story times. All was well until my kiddo came home singing Tiki Tiki Tembo. I 
lost my <laughs> mind. I work at a university with students of various backgrounds, many of whom are from Asian countries or of, are of Asian descent. They understandably hate this book. I spoke to the school director. I referenced sources like Grace Lynn's article. I provided a list of 12 alternative titles. The teacher who read it to the kiddos didn't understand. She refused to stop reading it or change to another title. Wasn't Tiki Tiki Tempo another example of a white person writing? It was another example of a white person. Um, in that case, kind of like combining Japanese and Chinese culture, yeah. but calling it Chinese. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, that is exactly what that was. So Interesting. I'm I see sensing a theme. a theme. Yeah. I mean, if we ever want to have a like a side podcast of just... Nothing but racism. Uh, <laughs> I think we've got a great way of starting. So, yeah. Grown-up things we like. Uh, you go first. Okay, so I saw the Oscars this year. I was the one. And uh, watched them all the way through. And they were as deeply disappointing as everyone has been saying. They were They were terrible. They were literally the worst Oscars I've ever seen. And I've seen some bad Oscars. I, I was at the point where I was like begging them to bring back every terrible host they'd ever had in the bag. Like bring back Letterman for God's sake, <laughs> just anything to get us through this. They wouldn't show any film clips and like, it was just awful. But uh, one nice thing about the Oscars was right before I watched them, the day before I watched one of the uh, films that had been nominated that just, did not sound appealing to me, but I was curious about it. It was called The Sound of Metal. The entire plot is about this drummer. Um, he's in sort of a rock and roll band of two. His girlfriend is the lead singer, and he he's on drums. Um, and I think she plays the guitar. And he's losing his hearing. Like, seriously, pretty much loses almost all of it very quickly. Um, he is also a recovering addict. And so he sort of checks into a um, a home that will help him fight his addiction if should he try to relapse, but it's housed entirely by the deaf. And he doesn't know sign language. He has no interest in sign language. He wants to get some kind of cochlear implant that will allow him to hear again. And so it's just this really nice story of him getting to know the people there and he's, he's helping out. Um, he's teaching at a school with kids and, uh, you know, the, sort of his mentor there, he, that actor was nominated for best supporting actor and, you know, well, well deserved. He does a fantastic job and it's just, it's a very beautifully shot cinematic, great, uh, movie about the deaf community and, and incredibly well done. So do recommend the sound of metal. Um, don't recommend the crappy Oscars. Okay. Yeah. I finally watched The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, my husband's watching that and I haven't seen a one. How are those? Um, very good. Good. I'm glad <laughs> I, that. It picks up right at the end of Avengers Endgame mm-hmm. and there are six episodes and it's on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Each episode is about an hour-ish long and the plot is meh, but... <laughs> But what I really like is that Disney and Marvel finally tackle race and specifically black people in America, Uh which I have never seen them do. Mm -mm. Um, But what they say is really important, even if, you know, outside of the superhero realm. Um, So for that alone, I highly recommend checking it out. 
Um, Bucky is my favorite. Of course. Uh, definitely not for kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of, uh, like, you know, in the first episode, Falcon is killing people. Okay. So, so that's a thing. Lots of blood, lots of swearing. Um, oh, wow. so it's no WandaVision, but <laughs> I, I really liked it and it's better than I expected because I didn't have high expectations for it. And isn't like the the Captain America guy? Isn't he the the actor? Is the son of Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell? Oh. And if you look at it, he's got that kind of face where, like, if you if you took their photos and then you had the computer program that just mashed them together, this is what your son would look like. It actually would look like that guy. That makes sense because I really wanted him to stick his jaw in because yeah, yeah. he keeps like jutting it out. I don't the think he can. Time. He's got a Russell jaw. Yeah, yeah, it just That's sticks just stuck out the there. entire it's time. Just stuck in the position. But anyway, yeah. highly recommend it. All right. Well, very good. Are, are the six episodes all that they're producing, or will yep. they be making more? Okay. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if they're going to do another season, but. Uh, it, it'll be interesting. I talked to, you know, my fiance about this. Like, well, do you think they're going to like do another season or do you think they're going to do a movie? Mm-hmm. I think they might do a movie because I thought there was supposed to be a Falcon movie at some point. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I heard that at one point, but then COVID. So, I mean, at the end of Endgame, it's set up like he's going to be Captain America. Oh, okay. So that'd be cool if there was a new Captain America. Yeah. With Falcon as mm-hmm. Captain. Yeah. We'll yep. see. Okay. Well, see, that ended us on a light and happy note after <laughs> all the doom and gloom of the of the book itself. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, it is a lot of blood and swearing, but right. but there there are very funny scenes especially in episode 2 uh, between the two between Falcon and Winter Soldier when they're tra- in a therapy session. Oh, excellent. So I, I like everything highly, about highly that. recommend that. Excellent. <laughs> well, then I'm just going to cut it off right here. On that note, I have been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse 8 Kate. That's Fuse number 8 Kate. Listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, or Player FM. Or follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our Captain America is Drew Atienza. Views 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird.